Welcome to the Reforce Podcast, the weekly message series featuring Pastor Nicole Schreiber. Today is the conclusion of our series, The Hope of Heaven. We've been discussing what heaven is like. Pastor Nicole has shared about the separation that occurred between heaven and earth back in the Garden of Eden. She's also talked about what's happening in heaven right now and what we think will happen when we die. We had some friends join us to answer some common questions about heaven like, do we still eat in heaven? Are we married in heaven? What exactly are angels and do we turn into angels in heaven? Today, Pastor Nicole will conclude our series by discussing what happens in the future when the new heaven comes to earth. Let's get started today. Here's Pastor Nicole. I want to start today uh, by taking just a quick survey. Um, I think this week we could all use a little bit of fun. Anybody with me? If you've watched the news at all, um, I think we just need a little bit of fun. So you can indicate your choice. It's going to be kind of this epic game of like either or. So you can indicate your choice by raising your hand. Uh, bonus points if you like shout or holler or clap or make some kind of excited noise. Okay. So let's just start uh, with this first picture here. So how many of you would say Coke? Coke only. I don't even get pop unless there's Coke. All right. And how many Pepsi drinkers are in the room? Wow, pretty evenly split. That surprises me. All right, let's go with this one. How many of you are like Apple products? I swear by them. I do nothing else but Apple products. Raise your hand. If, you're, if your iPhone syncs with your iPad, that syncs with your iMac, that syncs with your iCar, I don't know. All right, how many of you would say Microsoft? I'm a Microsoft person. I really, it's just because I haven't upgraded yet. Just kidding. Raise your hand if you're a Microsoft person. A few of you, you're kind of humble now. No, I get it. That's, that's allowed. All right, how about this one? How many of you are like summer? I love summer. I like being hot. I like sweating. Okay, and then anybody in the room, like, with, these are my favorite months of the year. I love to shovel it. I love to, a few, a few of you. <laughs> All right. Hey, you live in the right place because it's about to happen. All right, how about this one? Okay, we won't do this one. We're not going to do this one. This will cause too much division. All right, let's go to the next one. How many of you would say, um, I love the city. If I got to pick, I'd live in the city. I'm a big city person. I like the city. All right. How many of you are like, I'm a country folk? I like the space. I like the air. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. This is the question that actually got me thinking about this either or game this week because in the scripture, it actually describes heaven as both a country and a city. The scripture defines heaven as both a country and a city. In fact, 15 times in Revelation 21 and 22, the place where God and his people will live together is called a city. And the city has a name and its name is the New Jerusalem. So if you are a follower of Jesus, you already know your mailing address for eternity, and that's going to be in the new Jerusalem. And so we're talking about heaven, and this is the last week of the series. And I want to encourage you, if you want more information about heaven, or maybe I piqued your interest on something that you want to know more about, or if you have a friend or someone in your life that you would love to share more about, we have about 50 or so of these books left out in the Next Step Center. They're all about heaven, and I'd love for you to take some, take several, get them out there to some people who would love to read and think more about heaven, okay? Will you stop there today and take some of these with you, all right? Um, so today, as in the finale of the series, we are going to talk primarily about the finale of the story of Scripture. So let me remind you 
when we started this series, we talked about this, how in the beginning, heaven and earth were actually completely together. There was no separation. Heaven and earth were one thing. But then uh, in the Garden of Eden, um, Adam and Eve made a grave mistake and they um, sinned. They ate from the tree that God told them not to. And that's when heaven and earth split apart. And so the story of scripture is that for all of this time, heaven and earth has been split apart, but God is working to put them back together. That God is working to redeem earth, to put heaven back on earth and to bring it back together. And remember how we talked about how um, every one of us is going to die. Okay, the statistic, it never changes week over week. 10 out of 10 of us will die. There's nothing we can do about that. But God is preparing a city for those who are Christ followers for us to live with him together forever. And that city, which I just told you is called the New Jerusalem, it isn't ready yet. God is working. He's preparing. How will we know when it's ready? Well, Jesus will split the sky and he will come down. A trumpet will sound and he will come down from the clouds and he will gather up all the people who have loved and trusted him and take us to his city. That's how we know when it'll be ready. Now, in the meantime, if a Christ follower dies before that moment, before that city is ready, we talked about how the scripture tells us we will dwell in the present heaven or the intermediate heaven. So if we die before the city is ready and all those before us who have are in this present heaven, which is a really wonderful place. And we talked a lot about it on, I think week two or three of this series. So go back if you missed it. But what I wanna focus on today is this new Jerusalem, the city that we are going to focus on, the city that someday will be our home forever and ever, this marvelous city that we're heading towards. Are you ready for that? All right, I'm excited to tell you about what I found in the scripture about it. So multiple times in scripture, God says he will come down from the present heaven to live with his people on the new earth. So God's plan is to bring heaven back down to earth. That is his plan. That's what he says all along. And he will dwell with us here forever, not just for a thousand years in the millennial kingdom on the old earth, but forever on the new earth. Now, I don't know about you, but when we talk about heaven, we normally think about going up to heaven, right? We talk about when we get up to heaven or when we go up to heaven, or maybe if someone passed away that you love, you think about them, that they went up to heaven. But really, the ultimate promise is that God will one day come down to live with us on our place, in the new earth, in the new Jerusalem. And that's very consistent with the scripture. What happens at Christmas? We're about to celebrate Christmas. Jesus came down, right? He came down to earth. He came down to meet us and to be with us. And that's what the scripture is saying is that one day with the new Jerusalem will come out of the clouds down to earth and will be here with us forever. So I want to show you um, where we find this in the scripture. And we're primarily going to be looking at Revelation 21 and 22, which is the last two chapters of the whole scripture. And John is speaking. And this is what he's saying in Revelation 21, verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. 
He will wipe every tear from their eye. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. So we know that we see glimpses and pockets of heaven on earth and that at some points in our human existence, we could possibly see heaven touching earth. That's why we pray when we worship and, and when we see different things, we see heaven touching earth, right? We say, God, bring down heaven, break through to earth. And I believe that the scripture implies that some things might be the same in heaven, and some things will be very, very different in the city that God is preparing for us. For example, some things in heaven might be the same. Pizza, clearly, if these kids have it right. Ravioli, spaghetti, ice cream with sprinkles. Those things we might recognize in heaven. We don't know for sure. But here's what we do know for certain. Everything will be renewed. Everything will be redeemed. And nothing will be broken. Isn't that good news? All the things that we experience here on earth, all the hurt and the pain, the things that your heart aches about because it's just like, oh, I just can't believe this is happening. None of that will happen in heaven. It will be renewed and it will be completely redeemed. You know, everything on earth is really just a whisper. It's just an inkling. It's just a glimpse of what is to come. I want you to take a moment right now. I think of the most beautiful thing you've ever seen on earth. Go ahead, think about it. If you're with your wife, you better turn to her and say, it's you, baby. But think of the most beautiful thing. Maybe you saw it in a National Geographic picture. Maybe it's the Grand Canyon. Maybe it's um, the Amazon rainforest. Maybe it's the, the Caribbean Sea. All of those things are just rough sketches of this new earth. It's like a sneak preview of our forever home. One author said it this way, uh, that these beautiful places on earth we see now are like licking the spoon of mama's beef stew an hour before supper. Just a taste, just a taste of what's to come. God is not done with the earth. He promises a new earth with a new Jerusalem. And you know, I was thinking this week, maybe the thing that was the most revelatory to, this, to me this week, because I've kind of been in Christmas mode, right? We're starting to think about Christmas. And I don't think it was an accident that Jesus was a carpenter. What do carpenters do? They fix things. They make things. They fix things that are broken. They make new things. And the carpenter from Nazareth made the universe, and he's going to fix it. He is going to fix it. And he is preparing this city for us, this beautiful city that we are going to live together forever. God is the ultimate salvage artist, and what he restores will be far better than what we're experiencing and seeing currently. When people say, have you ever heard someone say, the best is yet to come? And you kind of think, I don't know, in my mind sometimes, I'm like, oh, that's just something you say, that's a tagline. Listen, that is really, really, really true. That the best is yet to come. And God is building it. And if you are a follower of Jesus, there's so much more. There's so much more that God is creating and building for us to see forever. So we just, we talked about this in Genesis, in the beginning of the Bible, it tells the story of paradise lost, how Adam and Eve, they, they fail, right, as earth's rulers. They, God was supposed to be the ruler and they took authority. They wanted to be the ruler. And so in Revelation, in the last book of the Bible, paradise is regained. 
King Jesus rules the earth again, and heaven is this hopeful place and promises to anticipate. So if you read the scripture and you think, ah, this is kind of like, I don't know how to, how to, understand all this. Let me tell you what, it's a full circle, okay? The very beginning is when heaven and earth are together. And then the whole scripture just talks about how heaven and earth break off together and all these things happen and some terrible things and some tragic things and some sad things and then some awesome things and some ways that heaven and earth kind of get to, they wrestle together. And you know what the end of the story is? The end of the story is when heaven and earth reunite again and paradise is regained. We see it come full circle, Heaven is a hopeful place. And so what we're going to look at today, all the scriptures are out of Revelation 21 and 22, which are the last two chapters of the Bible uh, that very much correlate to the first. So let's go ahead and keep looking in Revelation 21. I want to read to you verse 11. It says, it shone with the glory of God. It's talking about the new Jerusalem still. And its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. So you might be thinking, Okay, if heaven is a city, um, that's not very appealing to me. All of you who hooped and hollered that you're country people, you might be like, I don't know. I mean, if heaven is a city, like, what's that going to be like? Maybe you raised your hand today uh, to say you preferred the country. But let me tell you about this city. It's nothing like any city you've ever seen on earth. The New Jerusalem is not a drab and boring city. It's not like some cities that we picture in our minds. This is what it says. It radiates God's glory. The city itself radiates God's glory. It's bright and it's beautiful, like a rare and precious jewel. The city shines with the glory of God, the Shekinah glory, which is this manifestation of God's presence. And in Revelation 22, it says, because of God's presence, I love this, the new Jerusalem doesn't even need the sun, doesn't even need the moon or any other source of light. It is so it is so, the glory of God is so overwhelming, we don't even need the sun. Isn't that beautiful to think about? So let's keep reading in Revelation 21, verse 12. It says, it had a great high wall with 12 gates and with 12 angels at the gates. On the gates were written the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. And there were three gates on the east, three on the north, three on the south, three on the west. And the wall of the city had 12 foundations and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Now, walls and gates. So I got to thinking, what do we use walls and gates for on earth? Protection, right? You put a gate up, you put a wall up around something that you want to keep safe, around something that you want to make sure that the dangers are kept out and the enemies are kept out. But in the New Jerusalem, there are no more enemies. We know that. This is, this, there's a total victory because Christ defeated the enemy once and for all. So I asked myself this question, and why the gates? Why the walls? Why, why is all of that there, all of these walls and all of these gates? And the scripture tells us, and theologians tell us, that the reason why they're all there is to symbolize God's great protection. God's mighty warrior, his victory for his people. It's as if we'll look at those walls and gates and we'll say, oh God, you're so good. You protected us all this way. And here we are living in the new Jerusalem where we don't even need these anymore. It talks about how the, the gates will have, uh, the angels will be at the gates and they'll be, the, the names will be on, on the gates and it will just show us the faithfulness of God. And I love in Revelation 21, 25, it talks more about this. And this is what it says. On no day will its gates ever be shut for there will never be night there. We won't even need those gates. We will just be reminded of the faithfulness and of the great protection of God when we get there. 
any citizen of the new earth will always be welcome inside the gates. We will have free access to the king's throne. Everyone will have access because of Christ's death on the cross and his shed blood. I love this verse in Philippians 3.20. It says, but our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Our citizenship is in heaven. It's as if we have like a, a passport that once we become a follower of Jesus, it stamps here on earth. And we know that our present citizenship is in heaven. We belong to heaven. But that passport works also in our future. That when we get to the new Jerusalem, we, it's like we have the stamp on our passport that we are citizens of the new Jerusalem. We have an all access pass to this incredible city that God is building. Isn't that amazing? God is giving us the promise of citizenship, the promise of all access now, and that will carry forth through all of eternity. All right, so let's keep looking in Revelation 21. Now, the next two verses talk a lot about the size of the city, the size of the city, uh, which I think is really fascinating, and especially maybe for those of you who are your builders or your numbers people, that John thought that this was really important to put in here about the size. So it says, the angel who talked with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city, its gates and its walls, and the city was laid out like a square, as long as it was wide. And he measured the city with the rod and he found it to be 12,000 stadia in length and as wide and as high as it is long. And the angel measured the wall using human measurement and it was 144 cubits thick. Okay, we don't know if this is literal or symbolic. It doesn't say. However, let's just take these measurements literally for a minute, okay? 12,000 stadia is 1,400 miles which that means it would stretch from the Canadian border to the Mexican border. And that means, that's longitude. And latitude would be from the Appalachian Mountains to the California border. Maybe that's this way. You get what I'm saying, whatever direction. That means the ground level of the New Jerusalem is nearly 2 million square miles. The scripture says it's the same in width as it is in height. So it's as if... The, the scripture is trying to imply this. Have you ever been to a, a really, really tall hotel or a really, really tall building and, and you're like, you know, getting to the, the top floor? It's basically saying this math would imply that it could be over 600,000 stories high. Can you imagine you get to heaven and they're like, suite 19 in level 5,237, um, I mean, that is like, you know, in the first service, someone yelled out, like an elf when you touch every single button. <laughs> like, that would be a really long elevator ride up to the top of the New Jerusalem. Billions of people could occupy the New Jerusalem, Jerusalem literally. And, and I think the bottom line is this. Whether John was symbolic, whether he was literal, here's, here's the deal. Heaven is going to be roomy. Heaven is going to be spacious. We're not going to be crowded in heaven. Someone uh, made this picture I found this week. This would be like a model of the New Jerusalem to scale. Like if you made a, what it would look like, it would be as big as our entire country, as the entire United States of America, and that tall is what it would stretch out from the earth. Isn't that incredible just to think about just those measurements? Now, this sounds like a structure that defies mathematics, and we don't know if it's literal or symbolic, but here's the deal. Remember, John wasn't trying to document a blueprint. We aren't in charge of building the New Jerusalem. We don't really need to know. But he was using this distinct Old Testament reference 
to craft a deeper meaning. About once a week, I find something in the scripture that causes me to jump up from where I am and run to wherever Joel is and tell him about it. And sometimes he's like working under the car. And that's what happened this week. And I said, listen, listen to what I found in the scripture this week. This is what happened. The concept of this cube that you just saw that I just, that I just described to you actually is found in another place in the scripture. It's from 1 Kings 6, 19 through 20. And this, these exact measurements, this representation of the cube actually describes the Holy of Holies in Solomon's temple. That the Holy of Holies, it was a special place in the Old Testament. It's the only place you could go to, to be God's presence. Now, the Holy Spirit's all around. We can experience him all the time. But in the Old Testament, you had to go to this one particular place, to the Holy of Holies, and it was shaped like a cube. And so the point that John is making here is that in the new Jerusalem, it will be like the Holy of Holies. We won't need a physical temple anymore because in the new Jerusalem, the fullness of God's presence will be everywhere. All 600,000 stories. The fullness of God's presence will be in every nook and cranny of that place. And we won't have to go to the temple anymore. We're going to live in the temple. We're going to live in the place where God's presence has dwelled. Isn't that incredible? Thank you, Jesus, for that picture that he is showing us of what he is building for us. Let's keep reading about heaven. Uh, I want to pick up in verse 24. It says that the nations will walk by its light and the kings of the earth will bring the splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut for there will be no night there and the glory and the honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Now, when I read that portion of the scripture, there's this one word that stuck out to me, and it was the word nations. It was the word nations. In Revelation 5, if you go back a few chapters, you may recognize this verse. It says that, that Jesus' blood purchased people from every tribe, language, and nation. And that the scripture very much uh, talks about that. It's very specific that every tribe, tongue, language, and nation will be in heaven. And so like the current earth we live in, the new Jerusalem will be a melting pot of ethnic diversity. We know that to be true. However, unlike the current earth that we live in, the diversity in the new Jerusalem will be united that every tribe, language, tongue, people, and nation will be united by their common worship of King Jesus. And they will delight in each other's differences. They will never resent or be frightened by the differences among them. That they will delight in them. You know, unfortunately, in this world, on this earth, part of the, the thing that happened with, with the fall is we are under the curse of sin and there's often hostility between races. There's hostility between nations. Uh, the year 2020 has been terrible, has been a grievous example of this in our country. And races and tribes are divided by sin. They're intolerant of differences in appearance and language and culture. And this isn't a new problem. I want you to know that not only has this problem existed in our nation for years upon years, but it has also just existed among the human race. I want to show you in the scripture in the New Testament, um, there is actually a racial divide between the Jews and the Gentiles. 
And Paul addresses it in Ephesians 2, 14 through 16. What I love about the scripture I'm about to read to you is it's so excellent. It's so relevant. If you have ever doubted if the word of God is relevant to today, this this scripture is going to prove you wrong, okay? Because listen to this scripture, Ephesians 2. It says, for he himself, talking about Jesus, is our peace, who has made the two groups one, and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. Christ's work on the cross put racism to death. Christ's death on the cross destroyed the barrier. Christ's death on the cross crushed the dividing wall of hostility between races and cultures and tribes and nations. And so what we know about the new Jerusalem, and just hear me say this so clearly this morning, is that there will be no racial prejudice in heaven. There will be no racial prejudice in heaven. There will be no racial or national superiority. There will be no disputes over borders. There will not be any of that in heaven. On the new earth, we will celebrate diversity in a biblical sense. We'll never try to keep people out. We'll welcome them in. That's why those gates are never shut. And those walls are protection for God's people. You know, we sing about this at Christmas and we talk about it, but often people think, okay, peace on earth. How are we ever going to get to peace on earth? Well, I think what that means is peace on earth will not be accomplished by taking away all of our differences. Peace on earth will be accomplished when we get to the new Jerusalem. And it'll be this unifying loyalty to the king of heaven that every tribe, language, nation, and tongue together. Isn't that beautiful? I'm so thankful that God addresses that in the scripture. So the last chapter in the Bible, Revelation 22, I'm just going to read to you uh, verses 1 through 3 as I close up today. It says, then the angel showed me the river of the water of life. I love it. It's like John's getting a tour of heaven from an angel. You cannot get a better tour guide, okay? So he says, and here is the water. Here's the clear water, you know? He says, all right, uh, then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him. I love this passage. I love that it gives us a glimpse of who's going to be there and what we'll be doing. Because that's a big question, right? Who's going to be there and what will we be doing? If you watch the video this morning, Patrick the Frog will be there. A variety of other pets that those kids are very concerned about. I love that. They did know Jesus will be there and God and, and some people that they have loved and lost. But who will be in heaven? Who will be in heaven? And I started thinking about that this week. Abraham will be there. Moses, Elijah, Ruth, Daniel, that widow who never ran out of oil. We can finally know her name. (laughs) Just tell her, like, you're the widow that never ran out of oil. Peter, James, Paul, Mary and Joseph, Martha, Martin Luther will be there. John Wesley will be there. Mother Teresa, Billy Graham, 
martyrs from the Middle Ages that we don't even know their names because they died with the message. Missionaries that were tortured and killed. Pastors who preached in hard places. And you know who else will be there? And these ones, I believe, will be probably more famous in heaven than I, even any of the ones I even listed. Is the people who were kind to the disabled and the neglected. The people who prayed and made indents on the floor with their knees because they prayed so hard that heaven would finally invade earth. The parents who made sacrifices to raise their kids to be God-fearing and upright people. The people who quietly lived their life in faithfulness and generosity, and maybe they never even left the country, but they funded and sent people who had the call in their life to go. And because of that, so many people in those other places know and understand and will be in the new Jerusalem with them. You know, all these people that we will never know their names on earth, but they will be real life heroes in heaven. People in Erie, Pennsylvania, who gave and served so that a church could live on for 100 years and however else long, so people in this community, in this city, could understand the hope of the new Jerusalem. That's who's going to be in heaven. And the scripture goes on to say in verse 4, 22 verse 4, that these people, they will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads and there will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun for the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. Hope is on its way. It's on its way. And in so many ways, it's already here. It's on its way, and in so many ways, it's already here. You know, in so many of Jesus' teachings, he believed that, that God's heavenly reign was a clear and present reality that can be experienced on the here and now. He said it's heaven on earth, but then he also talks about this kingdom that hasn't arrived yet, at least not completely. So sometimes we have to ask ourselves this question, so which is it? Is heaven a present kingdom reality, or is it a future hope? Is God's heavenly rule something that has invaded earth or is it a promise to come? And I think as we look at the scripture, it seems that Jesus answers both of these questions with yes. Yes. Yes, it's both of those things. It's all of those things. It's all of those things and even more than those things. And there's a theologian named George Eldon Ladd and he used this phrase to describe heaven. And many people have used it after him. And he said, this is what heaven is. Already and not yet. Will you say that out loud with me? Already and not yet. That's what heaven is. It's already and it's not yet. Now, we don't know everything about the future city of God where we're headed, but we can imagine. And I want you to listen to this song. I can only imagine 
surrounded by your glory what will my heart feel will i dance for you jesus or in awe of you be still will i stand in your presence or to my knees will i fall will i sing hallelujah will i be able to speak at all i can only imagine yeah i can only imagine i can only imagine when that day comes and i find myself standing in the sun i can only imagine when all i will do is forever stand. Revelation 22 says, look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me and I will give to each person according to what they have done. I am the alpha and the omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. I'm the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. Heaven is here already and not yet. And so let's never forget the blessed hope that we have to anticipate 
Let me pray for you today. And in just a minute, just to mitigate some COVID risk, the ushers are going to come. They're going to kind of dismiss you by row, like you're at a wedding, and you can give your offering if you want then. They're going to come get ready. But let me pray. God, I thank you so much for who you are. I thank you so much that you are building a city for us like the good carpenter that you are where nothing will be broken. There won't be any sadness or sickness or pain that all the things that we deal with here on earth will disappear in that way, God, and we will be able to be with you forever. God, thank you for your promises. Thank you, Lord, that you give us a glimpse in the scripture of what it is to come. But we know, even if we get a glimpse, our, our eyes and our, our, our natural eyes cannot even imagine what it's going to be like. God, thank you for your faithfulness to us. We love you so much. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Hey, guys, thanks for coming to church today. The ushers will just be down in just a minute. Thanks for your flexibility. We'll see you next Sunday. Thank you for listening to the Erie First Podcast. If you like this podcast, please give us a rating and a review at Apple Podcasts and share it with your friends. You can find all our series videos and podcasts at eriefirst.org, along with all our latest news, announcements, and information. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time.